Holy, holy, holy. In Hebrew, that's kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. That's the song. And uh, so it's good to be back with you this Sunday. Thank you for the comments about last Sunday's uh, Christ in the Passover and communion that we shared together as well. My goal is not to change your regular Passover logistics in any way, but my goal is when I share it with Christians, and many times the comment I get is, I'll never take communion the same way again. Because it truly gives you a clear, I think, focus on the historical moment in the upper room with the disciples when all this happened. That's what I want. We always talk about the, you know, the historical and the grammatical and the contextual part of the scripture. And I try hard not to leave out the historical part. And uh, our brother is shaking his head because he teaches history at Cedarville. But it's there in the Bible, too. And so I, wanted, I always want to get that across. My wife and I try to be very faithful and giving our thank yous to you and your support for us. And so she brought up our regular thank you that we send out uh, when we get our support information that comes in from the home office and we put it on the missions thing back there, missions board this morning for you to read. And so we trust that will be helpful. It's great that you're having Chuck Paulsley here this next week. Actually, I was with him a couple weeks ago at the GRBC annual conference. Him and Pastor Warren as well. And uh, we were actually in prayer together about this. And so the pastoral committee, uh, search committee that is coming together next Sunday to talk to him. This is, this is a very important time. Uh, pray for them uh, that the Lord would uh, lead the right pastor to this church at this time and at this place. And pray for the deacons, the pastoral search committee, uh, that their hearts would be focused on that right man for this particular position here at Calvary Baptist Church. You know, everything, I, as you know, I, I teach on Bible prophecy all the time. And, and to, to me, everything that we do in these last days is very important. And, and I would put it this way with Calvary Baptist Church. Everything that you do here at Calvary Baptist Church in these last days is very, very important. What you're doing here, your ministry here your outreach here, your stand, okay? Uh, I've preached here before on, uh, you know, 2 Timothy 3, in the last days perilous times shall come. I believe that. 
All right? I believe that's where we are in our lives as believers. I believe that's where the church is today. And the list there that we have, and you've heard me speak on this, is the cultural war which we're already in. I mean, it was written to Timothy, all right, a long time ago, but it is right on to where we are at right now. And what's interesting, the whole chapter ends with, of course, God's Word, the Holy Scriptures. It's profitable, is it not? And so that's an important part of ministry in the church today. And I'd like to take you to Ephesians chapter 6. Well, it's on the screen there, sort of. Yep. Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 10 through 11. You know, it's presented to us in 2 Timothy 3 that the Word of God is important and profitable for us. But I also wanted to, to share, as we go through these times together, the whole concept of spiritual warfare in these last days in our lives. Now, to me, it's very interesting, this whole passage of Scripture here, and how God reveals to us and what is important in our Christian walk in these last days against the cultural war and the personal wars uh, that we have, and the spiritual wars. Yes, I believe that Satan is real. Why do I believe Satan is real? Not because I have some personal experience with him, but because God says he's real. All right? And God says that he fell. And God says the demons fell with him. And they all exist. And so, I'm sort of Sun Tzu about this. Know your enemy. And and this is what God does. And not only does he help us to know our enemy, but he helps us how to, all right, defend against our enemy as well. And what we see here, interestingly enough, in verse 10, right off the bat, okay, Right off the bat, he says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Okay? Our own strength here, he points out, is never strong enough to oppose Satan. We can't do this on our own. We cannot do this on our own. Right off the bat, he makes it very clear. We have to do this with God. And our own strength is never enough to pose Satan. But when we are strong in the Lord, even a little of his strength is sufficient to win any battle. Such as Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. Right? Same word of strength. It is not the amount of strength we have that is important, only its source. God is that source, as we're going to see. Appropriation of that strength comes through the means of grace, prayer, 
knowledge of and obedience to the word and faith in the promises of God. I led from 2 Timothy 3 that the word of God is profitable. Right into seeing it right here, how important the word of God is. And when you're on a search committee, and when you're looking for a pastor, all right, what he thinks about this right here is going to get you through the last days and spiritual warfare. That's why I'm doing this message. Okay? And, and so we have here an interesting uh, understanding in the language, be strong in the Lord, obviously, uh, that presents to us the source of our power, okay? And then secondly, in the strength of his might, it, we have sort of a, a, an imperative here, a command from God in, in which he commands us to look to him for our strength and the strength of his power and his might. And I think it's interesting because it, it's passive, this command. And you say, well, wait a minute. What does that mean? Well, you've got passive and active, right? Active is a motion that you do. Passive is that which you receive. This comes from God. He's the only source. All right? We need this kind of strength every day of our lives in these last days. All right? This is a powerful point that he starts with. He sort of lays the introduction and the foundation here for us. And, and of course, as we go on here, in verses 11 through 17, we get this idea, this, this metaphor of the whole armor of God. This panoplia, all right? The whole, the whole deal. This is the whole deal. As you're going to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. This is the whole deal. This is, how, this is how it's done. All right? And he uses the armor of a Roman soldier of the day, much different than today, of course. But, but these items, these items this are very important for us to understand and for us to live out by putting this on, okay? Uh, I, I think it's interesting that as he st states this, uh, this verb is also imperative, it put on, but, but it's not present. In other words, uh, I always thought it was present. In other words, this is something that you do every day. No. It's an heiress imperative. That means put it on, put it on, and leave it on. Don't take it off. That's how important this is. 
All right, God can save, put it on, keep putting it on, keep putting it on. Uh -uh, uh -uh. This is so important for our Christian walk that you put it on and leave it on and don't live a second of life without it, in other words. That's an amen right there. Okay? This is how important this is. We have a spiritual warfare that God, and this is what God says you got to do to live with that every day in your Christian. You get this on. This, these items are very important for you to get on and leave it on. And of course, it is the whole armor of God. Genitive of source right there. Where does it come from? God. Okay. Where does it come from? God. Okay, well, how do we figure that out? Well, we're going to see in this passage of Scripture. Oh, why is this such a big deal? That God is commanding us to be doing this stuff. Well, the, it's such a big deal because put on the home armor. In order that, here's the big deal, that you, singular, each and every one of us, okay, this has to do with each and every one of you, not the group, this is not a group thing, this is not a church thing, this is an individual message thing to you this morning. That, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Is the devil real? Yep. God says so right here. You might not have faced him. Because the devil is not omnipresent. So don't think of it that way. He has a large army of demons around the world, but he can only be in one place at one time. All right? But he has, what's interesting, he has wiles. Now, that's an old King James Version word, yes. But it means uh, methodias, or methods. He has methods. So he's got a plan. And he's got a plan for what? For coming after you. He's got a plan for coming after you. Now, what is that plan, right? What is those wiles? Well, obviously, I believe that once an individual uh, believer is saved, he has the indwelling Holy Spirit. So I don't believe in demon possession in the life of a believer. I believe there's certain, certain things, certain methodologies, as he calls them here, in which he uses against believers, all right, to hurt their walk with the Lord, to get them off balance, all right? Now, I, I put this together because I, I, I'm not wanting you to go out and fight demons, and I don't think that's what we have here. It's not in the context, all right? But what I want you to do is understand that there are 
12 things that I think that are part of the methodologies of the devil against us. So, here they are. Okay? The 12 D's of the devil, you might say. I think there's methodologies in which disappointments hurt our walk with the Lord, hurt our lives. Unmet expectations, right? Uh, aren't there moments that we're disappointed in which we prayed about something and it didn't happen, God didn't do it, and we're disappointed? I am, I don't know about you. I, you know, I, I, I say, you know, Lord, you could have done it this way. The way I prayed, right? This is what I'm going to be, I'm going down a, a personal walk and a personal life here. I, I think also here, as you can see up there, discontentment. Secondly, discontentment. A stage where, you know, the grass looks greener on the other side. We could see anything positive in our lives, you know. And so we just kind of get discontented about our lives. It could be in our relationships. It could be in our churches, you know. Things aren't going. I'm disappointed, and now I'm discontented. These are things that can be used by Satan to hurt our walk with God. And then you have discouragement, the third thing, right? Anybody get discouraged? Things aren't going right at home. Things aren't going right in the family. Things aren't going right with the children. Things aren't going right with the grandchildren. Things aren't going right. Well, maybe some of you have great-grandchildren, right? And you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And boy, now you're just discouraged about it all. Yeah. Yeah, I get discouraged. I don't see things the way uh, that I like in my family sometimes. Doesn't have to be this way, is a phrase that you, doesn't have to be this way, Lord. But it is, isn't it? And then, because all that builds up, there's doubt. Well, maybe God can't do what he says he does stage where we become cynical and we start questioning biblical teaching. And, and you know what, to me, this is a tipping point. As a pastor, I've seen a lot of times in, in people, and, and they're there and they're on fire, all right? And because they've let these other things 
creep in. Next thing you know, they're no longer coming to church, are they? Because doubt has consumed them and become cynical about God and cynical about the church. I didn't say they lost their salvation, all right? Becoming cynical about God is not losing one's salvation. That's a person who's letting discouragement, discontentment, and doubt win in their hearts and minds. Okay? And then I got disbelief. You see, there was the tipping point. Now we're over on disbelief. And, you know? <clears throat> so final form of doubt. And I've seen Christians that are on fire and left the church, okay? And they're at this point right here. They're never coming back. I don't believe and teach that they lost their salvation, but they're never coming back. All right? Because they've got to that point. And then sixthly, I've got disillusionment up here. We want to quit. Marriage is over. Ministry is over. I give up. And then seventhly, deception. Deception becomes. There's no longer a solid biblical truth foundation in our lives. It's not there. It's been removed to deception. Deception almost always has its root in those unmet expectations, perhaps for years. Eighth point, disobedience. Now we're all out totally separated from the church and Christianity and walking with the Lord. And so the doors are open to disobedience. Not following his words whatsoever. Just going on with life the way I want to go on. Stay with me. Discord. Broken people, broken relationships, and bitterness. Right? Bitterness. And then the dysfunction of my life and my relationship with God and the dysfunction of other relationships that go on. Confusion abounds, causes miscommunication. Eleven, despair. We lose all hope and often experience deep depression. Twelve, destruction. Self-destruction here. In other words, recognizing, renouncing, and resisting. The twelve D's of Satan's methodology. Okay? We don't have them all. We don't face them all. But later on, he calls them fiery darts, doesn't he? So beware. This is how important it is to put that whole armor on and leave it on. Okay? Then, 
Ah, know your enemy, right? He talked about the methodology of the devil. But the devil has a tactical military offensive. And he is truly, truly in this verse laid out for us. Okay? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I laid it out this way. Now, he is well-planned. He takes himself and all the demons and lays them out in a truly a, a, a military way around the world to do this kind of damage to the world. And we start out here, what, what I call the principalities or, or the top rulers here, the ones on top, is Satan. Isn't it interesting that in John 14, 30, He's referred to as the ruler of the world. Now, wait a minute. I thought Jesus was king and on the throne. No, he's not. This is not his kingdom now. This is his church. Okay? And so, he's the ruler of the world. And he is truly the God of the age. We look around and we see what's happening in the cultural wars. And he's the God of this age. How in the world did we get, all right, a, a, a law to protect the murder of pre-born 60 million children? It's not God's will. Satan's will. The God of this age. We already see the evidence of this spiritual warfare going on. And some of us have known that particular war from the very beginning, have we not? Yeah. We don't always recognize what's going on. But it's there. I think of also the, the demonic regional authorities that are listed there. In Revelation chapter 17 and verse 13 in the tribulation period, it becomes very clear during that time in the future when the Antichrist is ruling, that there is a, a authority, demonic regional authorities that the Antichrist uses around the world. And then, of course, we have our forces of darkness, the domain of darkness that exists. And then the political darkness influences in different ages. Do we have political darkness in the history of humanity? I'll give you one. The Nazis and the Holocaust. How does that stuff happen? You ever think about that? How does that happen? How does it continue to happen? Because of this type of thing. Know your enemy. Okay? And then, of course, spirits of affliction from the sky. 
they're all around us, afflicting us. We just talked about the 12 Ds, right? The afflictions from there. And there it is truly a part of Satan and his demons. I put here a point to ponder. Paul's purpose, however, is not to explain the details of the demonic hierarchy, but to give us some idea of the sophistication and the power in this hierarchy, though. We are pitted against an incredibly evil and potent enemy, but our need is not to specifically recognize every feature of our adversary, but turn to God, who is our powerful and trustworthy source of protection and victory. Paul reminds us, this is what we're up against, but this is what you have to fight against it, right? The panoplia, the whole armor of God. So he's just putting in there, these are powerful reasons why that we do this. Now, this is, of course, a picture of a Roman soldier of his day. And you'll notice here, we have a listing of all these things that are important. Have you ever thought of this? That, that God wants us to have these things. Our whole armor. All of these things. Not any one more important than any other. But all these things together so that we might stand against the wiles, the methodology of the devil. They're all important. Okay? They're all important. So let's take a look. All right, at this listing here that we have. And understand that, of course, every day since the fall has been an evil day for mankind. And every day will continue to be evil until the usurper and his forces are thrown forever into the bottomless pit. In the meanwhile, the Lord makes us able to resist the evil day as we take advantage of the armor he supplies. Our responsibility is to resist and to stand firm. To stand firm. Now, let's just take one at a time here. You notice the verse down there on the right. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Now, here once again, stand therefore. That's, that's the command here. And it is a command once again of an aorist imperative. You've got to do this and continue doing this every day. Stand therefore. Take your stand. And as you take your stand, all right, you, you need this belt of truth. We need the belt of truth. The belt of truth is important. The belt of truth is a belt that holds everything together of your military panoplia, right? And that truth is extremely important for the church in these last days. And extremely important for a pastor of a church. Why? 
Well, back in chapter 4, Ephesians 4.14, he says, Carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. That's what we're up against. That's what we're up against. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, right? Paul says, the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paid addition Attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Do you realize that we just presented that there is a doctrinal statement of demons? That's what it says right there. So we better be very careful that our doctrinal statement and the future pastor's doctrinal statement, all right, is based upon the truth. At the GRBC conference, the title theme was Truth Matters. Truth matters. Yes, it does. And it matters to go up and as part of the whole armor of God to go up against Satan. I go to a lot of churches next week. Not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow. You have Chuck here, and I'll be going up to Frankenmuth, Michigan to speak in a Bible prophecy conference that week. And <clears throat> Bible prophecy has become a big issue. In fact, I'm going to be speaking about it the next two Sundays that I come back. Eschatology, if you want to be systematic theologian about it, and what's interesting is that many have already fallen away from a, a, a proper exegesis of Bible eschatology. And I'm going to be talking about two of those things. This is something I deal with all the time. And I, I know of a young pastor that I met at a large church down in the Cincinnati area. All right, and I was going to speak there, and I got to talking to him at a lunch one day, and, and one of his staff members, his staff member was, was right on board with eschatology, but this pastor admitted to his staff that he lied to the pulpit committee and to the church when they asked him about eschatology so that he could sneak in to the church and then change the eschatology doctrine. Okay? That was his goal. Satanic deception, huh? Right there. A lot of that is going on. We need to be prepared to ask the right questions and good questions about all truths of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Okay? 
And the belt of truth is the first thing that is listed here for us, is it not? All right, moving on. All right. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. I, I, I think this is a, a word that has to do uh, not with salvation, but our daily walk, our, our, our daily walk with the Lord. Truth is important, but he says righteousness is also important, okay? A practical righteousness of a life lived in obedience to God. Don't give the devil full opportunity here, but put this on and leave it on. In other words, we sang holy, 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 right? And God wants us to live holy lives. A holy life. We don't hear that about much about that anymore, do we? A holy life. Walking in a holy life. And then, I think it's interesting that the next point here, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness giving by the gospel of peace, to make ready here, all right, with a message of peace. I think that's interesting how... He presents the message that the church should have, that we should have. He calls it a gospel of peace, does he not? A gospel of peace. Now, we're living in a world of chaos and confusion that seems to know no bounds. So what we have to offer our world is peace. Peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Peace is an important part of ministry. It, I've reached out to a lot of people's lives, and one of the things as unbelievers that they have more than anything is a lack of peace in their lives. A lack of peace. And, and we have that message. And, and we need to be ready to give that message. This is your outreach. This is your evangelism here in these words. Okay? The gospel, the good news of peace, peace with God, is your evangelism and outreach here. Okay? All of these are important. And, and then we have the shield of faith. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. All right? The shield of faith. Remember the doubt and the discontent? and the discouragement that we were talking about earlier, this keeps that away. This is that which keeps that away. This right here. 
It's, it's interesting. Can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil. It's coming at you, in other words. It's going to be coming at you. It's going to become the evil one. God recognizes Satan is real. God recognizes this is what he's going to do to you. Flaming darts are coming at you. Your faith is important here in all of this, okay? And then we have next listed a helmet of salvation. I believe this in its language is a present salvation, and that salvation truly gives us an assurance an assurance, a, a security of salvation. It, it, it's, it's, it's a helmet that is there to assure you of salvation. In other words, your salvation is secure in the blood of Jesus Christ for eternity. And this is something that we, we truly need to understand that that God has, all right, has called us. And to whom he has called, he's justified. Whom he has justified, he's also glorified. And this means we are secure into eternity. We are secure coming up to the rapture of the church. That we will be there with the Lord in the air. We're secure that we have a home in heaven prepared for you, right? This is a lot of security right here. Because of salvation, we have these things. We are secure that we do not go through the tribulation period. We are secure that we're a part of the new heaven and the new earth. Security is important here in this as well. And all of these things, as I said, are important together. The sword of the Spirit, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, we started with what? Truth. Did we not? The first item? Truth. And, and the last item is the Word of God. And so, yes, we have truth, and where does that truth come from? It comes from the Word of God. Bottom line, that's important. I, I deal with a lot of people, and I, I share my faith with them, and usually they're extremely intelligent, and they have a phrase, well, that's for you, but it's not for me has nothing to do whether it's true or not, okay? In other words, their thoughts are philosophically, well, that's your truth, but it's not my truth, okay? Well, the Bible is truth. And I try to explain it this way. The God of the Bible, the God of creation, right? God is truth, thus 
His words are truth. Okay? God is eternal, so God's truth is eternal. God is final, so God's truth is the final authority in faith and practice. You see where we got that? You see where we get that? So it is the word of God. The source is God. The source is God. And thus, that word, because God is true, becomes our truth. Our truth to be the final authority in faith and practice that we apply to all parts of our church, all positions in our church as well. Then I find it interesting. Now, understand he talks about standing here. I, I want get to that, get to that verb, back to that verb. Put on all this stuff and, and stand. He doesn't talk about going forward. He doesn't talk about going backwards. Put on the whole armor and make your stance against the wiles of the devil. To stand. Most people, well, no, that's not a good phrase, Bob. Many Christians will, at their stand, they don't go forward, but they turn around and leave, don't they? You get my point? They turn around and walk away from it all. They don't stay there and stand. You need to stay there and stand, number one. And number two, you need to do this, kneel in prayer. One of the most important things in this spiritual warfare, in this church, in its ministry, in its pastoral search, is dealing in prayer. Praying always with all prayer and supplication and spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Notice all, all, all. It's applicable across the board, is it not? Praying. You pray for the search committee. You pray for that pastor that God wants you at this church, at this time, in this cultural warfare in this spiritual warfare to lead you through and encourage you and build you up in the faith. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Every head bowed and every eye closed, please, at this moment.